your Bibles and turn to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22, as we begin in verse 1 and look at really a couple of chapters today from God's Word. And as you are turning there, let me reflect for a moment. This week, uh, for about four days, God allowed me and my family to get away. We uh, went down to the beach a little bit, so some of you after service, as you get a little closer view of me, you will notice, yes, that I do have sunspots. Not a suntan, but a sunspot because there are places that certain uh, things didn't get rubbed on my face. And other, so there's, I'm glowing, okay, in certain areas right now. So that's what's going on with me. No major disease or anything like that. I have these, these little sun things right here, okay? So just so you know. But you know, as I was reflecting upon that, getting down to the beach and getting back up to the beach... Um, I got to thinking about all the things that we take with us. Now, some of you, do you usually pack up your family? You know what I'm talking about. You pack up the family. You get ready for a trip. Maybe some of you have grandkids. You decide you're going to take them to a, on a trip. Bless your soul if you do. But you think about doing that. You're going to pack them all up. How much stuff does your family take with you? I mean... Now, now, it really wasn't quite as bad this time as I've seen it before. But, I mean, there are moments when my family goes on a trip, and I know there's six of us, but when our family goes on a trip, that we just have all kinds of stuff. And we try to pack it and stick and, and look. When we're on our way back, as Hayes said this week, Dad, we got more stuff than when we came. I said, I know. We're not letting your mama go into shopping malls anymore when we go off. I mean, there's stuff everywhere. I've decided at some point we're going to probably have to purchase a 15-passenger van. Not because I'm having additional children before some of you talk to me about that, but because we have so much stuff that we have to carry and so much stuff we have to bring back. Isn't it amazing, though, that most all of us have just a lot of stuff, of stuff. I, I mean, I, I get on to my children sometimes because they allow their stuff to be left out in the floor. And I think about all the things that they have. But then, as I reflect again upon this, we all have stuff. We have to buy more stuff to match the stuff we have. We have to buy more things, more stuff in order to store our stuff in. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And as I was reading through the book of Proverbs, I noticed in particular that the writer of Proverbs, Solomon especially, says a lot about our stuff to give us perspective on stuff. And I want you to hear this as you see it. In Proverbs chapter 22, I think you see it in this chapter and in chapter 23. Now, before you get too nervous, we're going to look at both of those, but I will have us out of here by 10 o'clock, okay? That's the promise. I want you to see a wise perspective on stuff as God gives it to us here. Beginning in verse 1, it says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor 
and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I understand that there are specific proverbs. Sometimes proverbs will stand alone as you read through them. But also, as you kind of get a sense of the proverbs, especially in a certain area, like in certain chapters, you will see that there are themes. You will see that there are certain themes that come again over and over and over. And as you look at Proverbs 22 and 23, I think, you will see how the writer of Proverbs addresses the things that we have, the material possessions. I, I guess I ought to give you a definition of stuff at this point, okay? I know that I could have chosen a much more descriptive word, perhaps, a more specific word, but I think stuff kind of encapsulates all the things that we, are, that we have materially, that we're blessed with. Stuff. It, it could refer to money. It could refer to our house. It could refer to our car. It could refer to our boat. It could refer to our golf clubs. It could refer to our dear lease. Maybe not, but something like that. It refers to all the things materially that we possess. And when I look at Proverbs 22 and 23 and how it addresses stuff, it gives us a perspective a right perspective, a wise perspective on what stuff is. In those first few verses, I think it says this to us first. It says to us that stuff isn't everything. Stuff isn't everything. In other words, stuff is not the primary reason we live. It's not everything about us. It doesn't define us. It shouldn't define us. And it should not define our purpose or our existence. Notice what he says in verse 1, actually. In verse 1, he speaks about how reputation and relationships should take the primary place over stuff. He says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. That there are some things that are more important than the stuff that we have and the stuff that we, are, we own. One, our reputation our character, our integrity, what we are known for. That is much more important any day than what we own. It is much more important that we demonstrate who we are and whose we are than necessarily demonstrate what we own. And we need to be reminded of that, I think, especially in this day, in this age. We need to be reminded that character and integrity and in and reputation counts for something. Each one counts for something. We need to know that in our lives that, yes, it's okay to have stuff. It's, it, stuff can be, can be good. But it is most important that our reputation and our character is guarded and is demonstrated as we go out into life. Reputation is more important. Our character is more important. And also, if you notice, our relationships. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. And notice what it continues on to say. Verse 2 says that whether you find yourself in a blessed category, materially blessed, or maybe you don't have quite as much as other people, it really doesn't matter, he says, because he says the Lord is the maker of all. Yahweh God, the God of this universe is the God of all of us. 
And there's an importance when it comes to the relationship that we have. Verse 4, it actually fleshes out that relationship with him. It says, By humility and the fear of the Lord, reverence to him, are riches and honor and life. He says all of those things, the stuff, the blessings, all of that, it actually flows out of your relationship with him. Everything that we have is a gift from him. Would you agree with me on that? Everything that we have is a blessing from him. And he says that our relationship, uh, the relationship that we should have with him, it should be primary to our existence and who we are. We humble ourselves. We fear him, which is true wisdom. We respect him. And it seems that all other things will flow out of that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? Then all the other things will be added unto you. See, I don't think stuff is inherently bad. I don't think stuff is inherently bad. Although some of it's not as good if you're going on an eight-hour trip and you're trying to pack. And you, Have I made my point on this yet? Have I? <laughs> Stuff itself is not inherently bad. It, it's a blessing. Even here it says that these things flow from God in your relationship with Him. In days of old, there were individuals that began to say, well, stuff, material things, they, they are bad. They're inherently bad, and thus we should withdraw from them. And thus they lived an ascetic type of life, a monkish type of life, if you will. And uh, there are people today that are coming back full circle saying, well, all stuff is bad. You must remove yourself from it. You, you don't look at those blessings. You try to get rid of those blessings. Stuff, blessings come from our relationship with God. And He is good to us. Even as we come before Him, humbling ourselves to Him, it seems that He always provides for what we need. Testimony right here. He has always provided for what I've needed. And I am thankful for the material blessings of this life. But I am constantly reminded that stuff isn't everything. It's not everything. What is primary is my character and integrity, my reputation, and even more so, my relationships that I have. Specifically, my relationship with God. It says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are these things gained. In verse 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Again, while this proverb may be able to stand on its own, and most of the time it does, note, at least in our English arrangement here, that it is, it is placed in the context of chapter 22. It is placed in the context of stuff and how stuff is not your primary source of life. Train up a child. In verse 4, your relationship with God. I would suggest to you it even says here in verse 6 that your relationship with your family, your relationship with your children, let's say implicitly with the rest of your family, that that would even trump the stuff that you have in life. And you ought to pass on that perspective 
to your children, right? Where do your children get most of their perspective? Rightly or wrongly, as they are coming up at least, they get most of their perspective from their parents. Most of the time. Maybe grandparents can affect them a little bit. Certainly if they are, are engaged in a lot of television watching, all that kind of stuff, there are all kinds of influences. I know that. But let's say primarily the perspectives come from parents most all the time. I, my parents, my family, and I never went to um, movies very much. Uh, I can just tell you, we never really, you, you can tell now, we never got out very much. Can you tell that now? <laughs> we, just, we, just, we just never did that. My, we, we, we didn't really go on vacation. My dad believed that vacation was a waste of money and a waste of time. If he took vacation from work, we might, we might go fishing for a little while, but most of the time it was to work in another line work around the house, maybe work, do those kinds of things. That's just the way. And that was my perspective. That was my perspective for a long time. Eating. When I was growing up, I, I had never eaten at a Chinese restaurant before. I'd never eaten at an Italian restaurant before. I'd never eaten at anything that you could remotely think of that was outside of southern cooking. Until I started dating. <laughs> Leslie opened my eyes to new horizons. <laughs> but before then, my perspective was limited with my parents. I say to you that basically, as parents, we instill within our children certain perspectives. And one thing that we ought to be instilling within them as we are training them up in the way they should go is we should be reminding them every day that stuff isn't everything. They're going to hear it from our culture. They're going to hear it from other people that you've got to make this, you've got to do this, you've got to obtain this, you've got to have these kind of possessions. But what we should say to them is that stuff is not everything in life. We should say to them, there are some things that should be at the foundation of who you are. Your reputation, your integrity, your relationship with God, your relationship with your family. There are many things that trump stuff. We need to remind them of that. Number two, we first, well, we first remind them that stuff isn't everything. And we, number two, tell them, that stuff, stuff can get them in trouble. Stuff can get us in trouble, right? Let me note these. There, there are several instances of these through these chapters, and we're not going verse by verse necessarily, but we're going to look at many of these. Notice verse 7 where it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And then if you'll flip over and look at verse 26, it says, do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Stuff can get you in trouble if the pursuit of your stuff leads you to assume debts you cannot pay. That's basically what he's saying, isn't it? 
He says you must be careful. He says in verse 7, the borrower is servant to the lender. Later on, he says, be careful of making pledges or entering into agreements when you know you cannot pay these debts. Now, in Israel, if you could not pay your debt, literally, you could become someone else's servant. You could be enslaved. And all you could hope for was a redeemer that would come and pay for you and ransom you or hope that you were close to the year of Jubilee, which was the 50th year when everything uh, was celebrated, the freedom of Israel was celebrated, the land would go back to where it should be, the slaves would be freed. Hopefully you were there. But if you weren't, you would be enslaved. And he says, why would you borrow things that you cannot pay for? How relevant this is to our day and time. How relevant this is to our families. Now, let me say this. In the book of Proverbs, when I read these verses, I'm not hearing it say that you should never borrow anything. Okay? That's not what I'm hearing here. I had a deacon one time try to tell me that we should never take out a loan for anything, whether it be a church or any individuals. And I looked at him and said, Now tell me again how you paid for your house. Well, he said, Well, that's a different story. And I said, but if it applies to the church, it applies to all. Okay, so I'm not saying that you shouldn't check out a loan every now and it, It's okay. It's all right. Most of us in this place have taken some loan at some point in our lives, right? You ever felt like you were convicted by just the act of taking a loan? Not necessarily. The problem comes when you know you cannot pay. When you do not wis have wisdom in your pursuit of so much stuff that it leads you to assume debts you cannot pay. And there are a lot of people today, there are a lot of people today that stuff has gotten them in trouble because their pursuit of stuff has led them to assume debts they cannot pay. And thus... They cannot support their families often like they should. Oftentimes they can't give to the God's kingdom like they should because they are crushed below a sea of debt. Especially some of us younger families looking at other things and thinking this is what we should have. My parents and my grandparents have this. Note that your parents and your grandparents are a little bit older. There's a reason they have it at a certain moment in life because they saved. Be careful of assuming debts you cannot pay. It has more impact upon your family and upon your relationships with one another, upon your ability to do what God wants you to do for the kingdom. It can cause problems. Isn't that what he says? Stuff can get you in trouble. If your, pursuit of, if your pursuit of stuff leads you to assume 
debts you cannot pay. Let me show you what else it says. Stuff can get you in trouble if your pursuit of stuff leads you to oppress people you do not value. Notice in verse 16, it says, He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. In verse 22, he says, Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. He says, You be careful in your pursuit of stuff. He says, You better be careful of not oppressing the poor, of not taking advantage of them, and especially in the life of Israel, especially in the life of Israel. There were moments where those who wanted to uh, get more stuff and more stuff, that they would just simply deny the privileges and the rights of those who were not quite as fortunate, and they would just continue on in their lifestyle. The book of Amos, whole book of Amos, basically, is directed at those who would take advantage of the poor. So those people that you don't value, if, if stuff leads you to that point, because look, our culture is basically teaching us today that we value stuff and we use people. Really, that's the culture of today. And yet what we should be about is valuing people and using stuff for the good of God's kingdom. And here he says, you must be careful. If your stuff leads you in a pursuit where you oppress people that you do not value. We'll continue down here. I haven't lost any of you yet, notice. But verse 28, he says, your stuff can get you in trouble if your pursuit of stuff leads you to compromise integrity that you cannot regain. Verse 28 says, do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. Chapter 23, notice verse 10. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Again, the idea that there are these landmarks that will designate the, the territory, the land, ownership. He says, don't go about moving those. You know, you want to increase your land? Go back. Some people would go and they would take an ancient landmark and they would move it and they would claim that land for themselves, which was wrong. That they would compromise their integrity, they would compromise truth in order to gain more stuff. You know, land in particular, it is special to those individuals in the South. Or at least I've seen that before. It's, it's not quite akin to the importance that Israel had for land, but look, it is intense. I mean, when you've had family land come through, it, it may be not as, as intense today as it used to be, but it, it used to be pretty intense. I remember one day when my mother and my dad had decided to just kind of go out and survey the land the land that we owned there. It wasn't a whole lot, but it was family land. And they went out, they looked, and there was this old, old fence, I think, that my great-great-grandfather had built. 
I'm talking about a fence probably during the Civil War this thing was built, okay? It was unbelievable. This. So we're going around. It still marked the old boundaries. And we got to a certain place in the fence. And my mother recognized it had been cut. Just like a chainsaw. My dad felt like it was probably Louisiana people coming into Mississippi and just kind of messing around. But Mom was very upset about this. You could see her visibly shaken that they would remove her, great, her grandfather, great-grandfather's fence and the post. So she began investigating. She wanted to find out. She found out. Let me tell you, my mom's a good Christian lady, but that day she lost a little bit of her testimony probably because <laughs> she was so upset that somehow these people had... Think about this. The nation of Israel, even to this day, the land and the importance of it to the Israelite. And here it is that some people would come and they would take the ancient landmarks, the landmarks that had designated their family land, their ownership... And that they would move those in order to gain more land. It was detestable. But there were people who were doing it because their pursuit of stuff led them to compromise integrity that they really couldn't regain afterwards. Because look, once you've lost, you can make money in a moment. But it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and integrity. And once you've compromised that, it's virtually impossible to regain, at least to the level in which you have. And here, they're moving landmarks. They, they are compromising truth. They are compromising integrity. You see, stuff can get you in trouble when it leads you to compromise integrity that you cannot regain. Continue on in chapter 23. It basically says to us that stuff can get us in trouble if our pursuit of stuff, if our pursuit of stuff leads us to impress individuals that we do not even trust and that we should not trust. Notice verse 1, it says, When you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. If you are a man given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Notice here, you're sitting down with somebody, a ruler, a leader. And what you're trying to do is to get ahead a little bit. You're trying to maybe get more stuff, get more positions. And you sit down with them. He says, it is better for you, notice verse 2, to put a knife to your throat, he says, than for your appetite to give in and for you to be able to eat the lemon ice box pie that's there on the table. No, good people... Bad people don't serve lemon ice box pie. Only good people do, okay? Just take that back a moment. Verse 6, same kind of idea. He says, Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. The morsel you have eaten, you will vomit up and waste your pleasant words. I read those Verses to Leslie last night about 8 o'clock or so. She said, thanks, Reggie. I'll really be able to rest tonight thanks to you reading those verses to me. They're so vivid. 
but it just reminds you. It, it says, why, why are you trying to impress all these other people, people that you do not even trust, and yet you're trying to gain something out of it and get stuff out of it? He says, it's not going to bring you satisfaction. It's not going to do that. So why would you do that? And then finally, this is, I think, so relevant to us, is verses 4 and 5 of chapter 23. He says, your stuff can get you in trouble if your pursuit of stuff leads you to work hours that you don't really have. Hours that you don't really have. Verse 4, do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. I'm not saying you shouldn't work. All of Proverbs speaks about working. There was, a, there was a young minister that preached a wonderful message on this just a few weeks ago on work. If you want to go back, go to Temple Baptist website. You'll find my sermon there. You'll see it. And you'll hear it. I affirm work, okay? I believe that. All of Proverbs does. But there's a difference in working to live and living to work. Okay? He says here, don't be overworking in order to be rich. And you're trying, and, and that's your pursuit. You just want more and you want more and you just keep going. That causes you trouble. Notice what he says. I love this image he gives. He says, because you know what happens to your riches? They just fly away. Like an eagle to the heavens. They just seem to dissipate. They seem to fly away. All that you think you're working for, all that that you're going to have extra. All of that can simply vanish in a heartbeat. Trying to overwork hours you do not have. I know sometimes we live, we use lofty motives like we want to provide more for our children. Now, I'm not an expert on child rearing yet. I believe by the time number four leaves, I might qualify. But I believe this. Your children would rather have you any day than the stuff you think you're providing for them. All that extra you're going to provide is... It, it's going it's to fly away. Why? Back to the first point. Stuff isn't everything. But your relationship with your children, you're being there and using that time for them. You will never regret. So you got these first two points. I know that second one was kind of lengthy there, but you got the first two points. Stuff isn't everything. Stuff can get you in trouble. But let me leave you on a positive note. Stuff can be used for good. Stuff can be used for good. Back in chapter 22, verse 9, it says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed. For he gives of his bread to the poor. You see, I'm not anti-stuff necessarily. I don't think we should be anti material possessions, and thinking that they are evil in and of themselves, anything material. 
I don't think we should live in thinking that that is all there is in life. Should, don't believe we should live that way. But I think there's a balance here to know that God has blessed us. He has given us so many material things. And yet He has called us to look at that blessing and to live responsibly in helping other individuals and being generous to other folks. You see, the testimony of this passage, and I think the testimony of Scripture is this. God blesses us so that we might bless others. I believe that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It, it really is. That idea of blessing and happiness and joy and satisfaction, it's so much better. To be able to give and to help and to advance the kingdom of God, to know that I can take my, my material possessions and I can use them for God's work and God's kingdom. It's awesome and tremendous to know that I can touch lives around the world because I give and I support missionaries and the gospel advancement. Hey, it's great to know that I can literally take my car, a car that God has given me, and I can say, you know what? I'm going to stop by somewhere and pick somebody up for church. I'm going to use this for the glory and for the honor of God. I'm going to use what God has given me because he's blessed me. This hasn't come. I, I believe... Friends, I believe we work hard. Yes, I believe that. But I believe there's really no self-made man. I believe that God makes all of us. He has to grant us health to get where we have to be. He has to give us strength. He has to give us some He has to bless us. It's God that's done that. And what he calls us to do then is to bless other individuals. As he has worked in our lives. And to specifically use it for the kingdom's advancement. I believe Proverbs 22 and 23 perhaps give us the clearest perspective on stuff that you can find in the Bible. There are other passages. Yes, there are. And you'll hear me preach them one day. But these two chapters seem to capture a picture, a clear picture of what we should do and how we should relate to stuff as it comes in our lives. One this morning, to recognize that stuff isn't everything. Why would you gain the whole world, for example, and yet lose your own soul? There's some things more important than stuff. This stuff can get us in trouble for us to be aware and cautious of that and be careful in our pursuits. But to finally know that God can take our stuff. He can take our lives. He can take our stuff and he can use it for his honor and for his glory. It is a wise perspective of stuff in our lives. May we subscribe to it. May we be obedient. And may we use that which God has given us. To advance his cause and his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name this morning.
And God, as I look out across this congregation, Lord, even as I looked in the mirror this morning, Lord, I was reminded of how gracious you are to us, how blessed we are. We didn't deserve it. Lord, we didn't. But you blessed us. God, I pray that we would live every day with the priority of your relationship in our lives. And Father, that we would live in relationship to the things that we have, the material possessions, that we would live in such a way that we would avoid the pitfalls and that we would embrace the possibilities of what you want to do for your kingdom's sake. God, right now in this place, convict us, Lord, where materialism has captivated us. And Lord, motivate us to use your blessings for your good and for your honor. We pray it now. In Jesus' name, amen.